What is a queen? The female ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by birth. What is a queen? The most powerful chess piece that each player has, able to move any number of unobstructed squares in any direction. What is a queen? A woman eminent in rank, power, or attractions. I am a queen. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another exciting episode of I Call Her Queen, the podcast, where women are not just seen but are heard. I'm your host, Nair Muhammad, founder of I Call Her Queen, the brand. Today, we have a great show for you. There seems to be so much going on with this new challenge facing the black community with the unjustified killing of George Floyd, a killing that has sparked outrage and protest all across the country as well as the globe. This week, it was announced by the Hennepin County Attorney, Mike Freeman, that the four officers have been fired and that former officer Derek Chavin, the one who can be seen on George's neck, was charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter, all within a span of four days. Now, some say that this is justice, but this is only the beginning. The beginning of justice starts with a conviction, but even more than that, there still needs to be some changes beyond the conviction of a bad apple. At this point, If we aren't talking about changes in the laws that often protect cops, changes in how officers handle people in custody, and a way to recover from this trauma, then we shouldn't be talking at all. Which leads me to why we're having this conversation today. It's important that we must keep in mind that just as much as we fight for justice, we should fight for healing and turning our power, pain into power. The experience of seeing a black man die live on camera is highly triggering, very traumatic, and intrinsically disempowering. We should not run from this fact, but embrace it if we are to gain from it. So today I wanted to have a special conversation with the mothers of black sons, with healing at the root with a show we call From Pain to Power, Raising Black Boys in America. But first, we would like to start the conversation talking about the latest eruption of protests in response to the killing. We are joined by Iman Heath, an activist aspiring to become a criminal justice lawyer, and Faraji Muhammad, an organizer and radio show host. Thank you both for being on the show. No problem. Good to be here. Yep. So I want to start this conversation off just giving you guys the chance to just share your thoughts and your feelings about what you've been seeing in the headlines, it's all over social media, all on CNN. I mean, I literally went to bed the other night watching CNN, um, you know, and just trying to stay up to date with what's going on. So just tell me a little bit about how you guys are feeling about the fabric of America right now. So I'm gonna start with you, Iman. How are you feeling? Honestly, uh, I'm not as angry as I thought I would be. Um, Just the repeated anger, of these same situations keep happening over time it's like i don't even get to that point no more um i'm honestly ready for results i'm not protesting i'm not marching i'm not walking i'm ready for results as a plan like i'm ready for results i'm tired of being a little bit angry upset in the beginning then two weeks later back to like nothing ever happened so i as i'm ready to say the truth 
I love it. I'm with you. I, I, you know, I think you and I both know um, being a part of so much that happened during the Freddie Gray uprising and being out there and even prior to Freddie Gray, I feel like there were so many marches that we've done for Trayvon Martin, we marched for Mike Brown, you know, we marched and I am in 100% agreement with you in terms of not wanting to be out there marching. Um, Faraji, how are you feeling in terms of everything you're seeing right now? I, I, you know what, it's uh, me and Iman, I think we're like kindred spirits right now, just because uh, I'm, 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 I'm too tired. I'm, I'm just tired of being angry. I think the uh, big thing for me is, um, you know, what's going to come after all of this emotional expression, this emotional explosion that we're seeing right now. And I think it gets back down to a, a premise and principle that Malcolm X put out there years ago where he said, we're not outnumbered, but we're out organized. Mm. And so I think it's important for us to look at this flashpoint especially here in Baltimore City. You know, in Baltimore, I think most of us are in this space and in this spirit, like we're not gonna go out there and start tearing stuff up and, you know, we'll protest, we'll show our solidarity, but it's not gonna be on certainly and on the same level of what we saw five years ago with Freddie Gray. And I think that if we are out organized, if we're not organizing and getting people to understand the dynamics of power, in the system, understanding, um, you know, who's responsible for certain policy as it relates to police conduct, mm -hmm. uh, understanding how funding is happening. I mean, you just, it's, it, you know, it's about learning and not just yelling and screaming. It, it's something about learning. And I, you know, people say, well, you got to get people's awareness, but you know, you and I, and I think all three of us, we understand that there are more tools in the toolkit besides just protesting. There are a lot of other ways to get that message across. And I'm not, sh sh you know, not throwing any shade on anybody. I mean, if that's your introduction, that's your introduction. Welcome to the movement. Mm -hmm. But it, but it, but at the end of the day, I know for me, I'm at a different place in my activism. Yeah. So looking at the fact that I, I believe all three of us are a little bit, we're, we're veterans in this, you know, this is not <laughs> our first, you know, walk in the park. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I saw from CNN was that a lot of the young people that are out, the people that are out there now are young. So I'm pretty sure a lot of them didn't have the opportunity to go out back, you know, five years ago when we were out there. This is like a new group. Um, and some, some are new, you know, some are just agitated, some are waiting and looking for opportunities to get back out there. But I feel like those of us, especially here in Baltimore, who in Ferguson, who have been through the uprisings and we've been a part of the looting, what would you, what advice would you give to this next generation who is upset and who is out there, you know, looting and destroying their community? What, you know, what advice as the big brother or big sister, you know, you know, just like with your little brother yeah. sister, if you have any little cousins, you know, you already been through something and you come with a different level of expertise. What would you say to them who want to, or the kid who's like, I need to get out there, but their parents are like, no, like what advice would you give to the young people? First and foremost, I just want to say, um, don't get me wrong, no violence, no violence, kumbaya. However, I am a by any means a certain type of person. We've been peaceful for years. The Rodney King, Rodney King incident happened in 1991. Wasn't even born yet. We've been peaceful for years. So rioting is how people feel, 
or how do you want to get out their emotions? So be it. However, let's be strategic. Don't burn down Black-owned businesses. You don't want to... We want to take money out of their pocket, not ours. Mm -hmm. Um, Be smart about it. Make sure you know uh, exit plan. If you are going that route as far as uh, looting or if you're going to riot, just make sure you know where to go, who you came with. Don't leave without that person you Mm -hmm. came with. Um, Make sure you pay attention to your surrounding. I remember first going down North uh, North Avenue when the um, riots first took place. And I remember seeing snipers um, in abandoned houses, like waiting for somebody to do something stupid. So just make sure you you pay attention to your surroundings. Listen, stay together, stay together. Like Faraji said with um, uh, Malcolm X quote, you know, we're not outnumbered, we're outorganized. We just have to, if you're gonna do that, just make sure you have a purpose. Yes, bring attention, but have a plan after. Yes, that. start the flame. Yes, start the start the emotion. That's what usually gets gets the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. But have a plan after that. What's next? It cannot just be preach, 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 march, protest, carry a sign, and then we go back to order stuff off Amazon two weeks later, like ain't nothing happened. Yeah, we yeah. have to be result driven at this point. We have to. And what what advice do you have for the young brothers out there that are trying to go out and protest with the next generation? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, have some goals in mind, like Iman mentioned. You know, you do have to have a very solid plan of action. Um, but I think I think the the other big thing that we oftentimes don't emphasize is that at the end of the day, we are in a very hyper sensitive political culture mm-hmm. um coming from the white house all the way down you know trickling to the streets so for black youth in particular when you put yourself out there and iman knows this because she's going to be going in the field of criminal justice police officers have the right the protection the support to kill you so if we put ourselves out there and then, you know, like the, we just saw the incident of the brother and the sister in Atlanta who mm. was tased in their own car because they violated curfew. Mm-hmm. But the police wind up busting. See, those types of situations as unjust and extreme as those moments are, the fact remains is the question is going to be asked, what were you doing out in the streets during a nine o'clock curfew? Yeah. And then that opens the door for the treatment to be considered justified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if if we got to, if you're going to put, you, 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 this is not, the government of America is not the most feared government in the history of the world for nothing. And if we can't play around with that, and I think it's imperative that as much as we show our passion and our zeal, we have to think smart because mm-hmm. like when we went to those rallies five years ago, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't always say, I had said to myself and we talked about it, say, okay, am I gonna, how far am I gonna go? Mm-hmm. And if the police tells me to tell me to do something, go a certain, no, you can't be on over here. Am I willing to put my life in their hands at that moment? to the point where I become another name. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that, that you have to be afraid. 
I think it's I think it's the opposite. I think that we're trying to fight. We're trying to live, fight to live. Uh, we're rather trying to live to fight the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that that's the smart thing. People are like, well, they're not going to disrespect me like that. Nah, nah. <laughs> that's that's silly. Because why would I want to serve myself up to an to a, a, a system or to an enemy who's who has no compassion about my life? I mean, he's already showing you yeah. that he so has he no compassion. So right. so 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 why am I? You know, one of the most um, people say it's a powerful picture, but it was a hard picture for me. The picture of a sister that's standing in front of the, uh, she's standing nice and tall and dignified and classy, but she got her arms out, and but she's standing against this wall of police officers in riot gear. Mm-hmm. And she's like, almost looking like she's willingly. It's a, it's yeah. a powerful moment. But I said, damn, that's messed up because at the end of the day, it's like, we are willingly, or we are willing to subject ourselves to the type of treatment. And if something would have happened to that sister, then what leg do we have as, as men and as a community to stand on to just be like, man, that's messed up when she was unarmed. But you're not dealing with rash, a rational system. You're not dealing with a just system. Exactly. So and I gotta play, uh, I guess, devil's advocate yeah. for a moment. Because I'm thinking about all of this, all, all these things you guys are saying, but I'm also thinking about the fact that we're still dealing with this whole COVID-19 crisis where we've seen a major, major influx of unemployment in this country. Um, I know people very close to me that have been laid off, that have still not received unemployment. And I know people who are still having to go to work and, and many of them feel grateful that they do still have a job um, and are able to go to work. So in terms of the looting, I, I noticed I'm um, checking out WBAL's website and it said that Target has temporarily closed 175 stores because of protests seen and reported. In Minnesota, 71 stores are closed, 49 are closed in California, 12 are closed in New York, and the rest are closed in various other states. Now, I know there's this big joke, Target is a Target because of its name. But in thinking about all the people that work at Target, because now I'm not thinking about Target as a, as a white organization. I'm thinking of it in terms of the workers who rely on that job to feed their babies. I'm thinking about it in terms of the people in the community that rely on Target to get their toilet paper, to get their toothpaste, to get their diapers for their child or their wives. And mainly, of course, the people who, as I said, depend upon that job, that paycheck to support their families. That's 175 stores. That means that's thousands of employees who are not going to be at work. That's going to be added to this long list of the millions of people in America who are out of a job because of COVID-19. What perspective do you have in terms of the looting and the burning down businesses that may not be black owned, but black people may be employed there? How does that play into, you know, the justice portion of all of this? Are we thinking about the people that are impacted by us destroying these businesses? So I will say firsthand, I was furloughed due to COVID-19. Um, filed for unemployment uh, April 5th. Didn't get any, I was denied multiple times and mm-hmm. then didn't get a card until seven weeks, almost eight weeks later. So I completely understand how it feels to not be working. It's like, okay, where well, I'm gonna get my uh, money from. But as far as um, 
if we would need that store for certain products. I think I said this to you earlier. Mm-hmm. You have to have a plan. Yeah. I've known people that will drive to uh, Westminster uh, for some designer marijuana. Okay. So if you're willing to drive 45 minutes to, to go get a certain type of weed to get high, I'm sure it would hope you have a problem going to uh, further CVS or Target or uh, Walmart to get what your grandmother, aunt, or your uh, baby moms might need. I would hope that. So that also comes with the plan and having a strategy. It's, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, they lost their job. They can go apply for another one. Go work at Amazon. Well, mm-hmm. it's not that simple. No. It's, it's, as far as people being employed, it's not that simple. Um, but there are not enough jobs to make up for the amount of people that are unemployed. That's just exactly. a reality. Exactly. Know? Like you can't even call and no one is there to pick up the phone because it's just too many of us. When they first changed the system to the Beacon system for Maryland, there was a, a line to get on the system. And I think I waited in line virtually for like eight hours. Now I'm not exaggerating. So it's, that's just in Maryland. So thinking nationwide, yes, the, as far as employment day will we'll be affected, but that's a part of planning. We have to be strategic. Okay, y'all, this is closed down now. All right, let's go here. This is what we'll go to get this, this, and that. This is what we'll go here to find this. We have to be more strategic, not just angry and emotional. It's, we can't be emotional no more. I love that. I, I love that you're, you know, you're saying this for what it is and then you're trying to give a game plan to combat and to work around that. I love it. What do you, what's your take, Faraji? Um, so, something that came across my, uh, my desk <laughs> is the uh, Berkeley Economic Review. And they put out a study back in 2019, in March of 2019. They, they made this point. They said that the economic cost of protests are often overlooked protests can decrease property value and debilitate local and national economic activity. The cost of property damage from rioting is borne across the board by the government, insurers, and the public. Businesses have a clear disincentive to establish operations in riot-prone areas as they want to avoid risking their capital. Um, I want to piggyback off that really quickly. Yeah. I've been seeing headlines um, people saying there are people being paid to loot and riot so that um, businesses can put in insurance claims. So, so, so you have that part of the conversation. And then it also leaves us to wonder, okay, is this the part of the reason why five years later, North Avenue and Pennsylvania Avenue still look like what it looks like 25 years ago. I mean, it looks like it did so, after the riots so, in 1968. Because why? There's no, there's no, you're not going to get, a, 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 you know, people talk about that great corridor of North Avenue all the way up to Hilton Street, but you're not going to get businesses on a major, major thoroughfare like North Avenue in Baltimore City, whether it's east side or west side, because of the, 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 the there's a, there's a high, risk or or, or or people feel like there is a perception that they're not going to be able to get their money's worth, the housing, the, the poverty, and all of those things. So my point is, is that when we're talking about protests, this thing, it, it, it it's all levels of, of equality, all levels of how we live. And as much as we're angry, the crazy part is for, for Black folk, Black folk ain't going into some of these uh, affluent white areas and not protesting. I don't care. 
we had as much as we saw in from Freddie Gray, we could probably go to all of the cities that are on fire today. And I can bet you, if you go into Los Angeles, they're not running up in Beverly Hills. Go to White Marsh. Or, or if you go to New York, right? They're not going to the Hamptons. Thank you. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So they're not going to these places. But see, we bear the brunt of it. Businesses are taking, and, and then we wonder, when we destroyed our communities or when we destroyed, you know, a couple of miles outside of the Black community, why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? It because it's a it's a it's a money game. Yeah, you. I'm I'm so glad that you made that statement because I literally I forgot who I was talking to, but I said I'm like, oh me, I was talking to my producer this morning, and I'm like, we do not go to vote here in Maryland. If you're from Baltimore, you know Roland Park. Roland Park is on the. It's like a. a Beverly Hills in Baltimore City, the hood. It's like, you got the hood and then you got Roland Park just yeah. right in the middle of the In the corner, boom. Right, little cul-de-sac, little cul-de-sac. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. are not going in Roland Park and looting and destroying. Now, I'm not saying don't get mad, don't get, don't burn down stuff, but why are you not going to the neighborhoods of the people that you feel are, are oppressing you and burning down their neighborhoods? Because if you look at Freddie Gray, we burned down our own community. Did anything change in Baltimore? Not a thing. We CBS, the the CBS, when the CBS rebuilt, it was upgraded. That's about exactly. it. Exactly. We, we're going to Annapolis every year to the General Assembly. We're trying to get the, these laws changed, police reform changed, and we're being denied. So let's be real. Did, tear, did tearing down our community, our community, change anything? Did we upset the white community enough for them to want to help reform? No, because guess what? They're still comfortable in Roland Park. Mm -hmm. They're watching on the news. They're getting their ratings by coming into our communities, which mm -hmm. is building their economy still. Mm -hmm. that We're still getting their pockets even fatter because now they're getting these ratings from being able to come in our community and boost their morale. And it's like, they're still going back home to a clean neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Their children are not waking up every day and seeing glass on the ground. They're not seeing buildings burning. They're literally jogging without a care in the world. So for me, that's that's my perspective on us looting. I'm not saying don't be angry. I'm not saying that your anger is misplaced. I just I just don't know if you're really gonna make a big difference if you're destroying your own neighborhood and not going to the neighborhood of the people that are sitting comfortable. Cause they send up, they send out with popcorn watching CNN like this is the mm -hmm. game. And we if we want to be disruptive, we have to be disruptive in the right places. Yeah. Don't be disruptive yeah. in your own neighborhood. Yeah. And then thinking into logic, I'm thinking. Maybe we're not going to Roland Park because either we may not know how to get there, we may not be able to get there, we don't have transportation to get there. And then that goes back to organization. If you're going to protest, you have to be organized. So like, as you said, Iman, if you don't have the, a resource to get to Roland Park, how the hell are you going to get to another Target or another damn CVS is not in your community? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can't even get from one neighborhood to the next, how are you going to replace what what you those things that you need i saw somebody say that they're not they're not buying nothing unless it's black so are you not going to the market are you not buying food because what food what major corporation of food do we own are you not eating i have celiac disease so that means i can only eat certain foods i don't know i can't even go to a black owned restaurant when i say i have a celiac disease what can i eat they're like well we got a salad I don't want a damn salad. I like a salad. So, so that's, that's my thing. If, mm -hmm. I, I love a salad too, but I'm just saying like, that can't be the only option. Right. When I go to a black owned restaurant, I've been wanting to try Ida, Ida B, Ida, Ida restaurant. Yeah, Ida mm -hmm. B downtown. 
I can't eat it, Itis. It smells so good, but it is so much gluten. I can't even, they don't cater to my, to, to my diet that I have to eat. So if I can't even eat in a black owned restaurant, how can I say I'm only going to buy black burn down everything else? I'm going to be sick. Well, that's another thing that we have to take responsibility for is being informative and making others informative on where to, to get this. It was, I want to say probably 2016. I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and support only black owned businesses. Uh, I get my toiletries from a black owned business. Um, Good Queen Vibes, Free Freno. Um, I get my uh, wax and things like that from Black Woman. Black Woman does my nails, Black Woman does my hair, Black Woman does my eyebrows, my lashes, all of that stuff. Um, we have to find our resources. Okay, who has the food? Who has the water? Who has the fresh produce? We may not be able to cut it down entirely to only Black owned, but if you say, hey, I can't find a public place to eat that caters to my diet. All right, so let's see. and. If we would have got the mindset of just thinking, oh, it doesn't affect me, so it doesn't matter. I don't have the same disease you do. Mm -hmm. I can eat uh, regular food, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't help you in your endeavor to get to a point where we can maybe uh, open a business that has food that cater to um, your, case, uh, your case and other cases as well. I was looking for um, a Black-owned business that um, sell clothing. It's easy to find a Black-owned boutique, but me. I'm long. Y'all know I'm tall. And you, know, <laughs> and you know I'm miniature. Like, I'm miniature. Exactly. Like, I'm my But my legs are long because I don't know what. So I'm trying to find a black-owned business that sells long-length jeans. I said, damn, well, I can't find that. Light bulb. Literally. Since February, I've been cooking this up. I am surprised, y'all. I'm going over my own black-owned boutique online that's going to cater to long life jeans. So, I'm going to July 1st. Yes, it's called Monty. Not support. I'm 4'11", but I love it. I'll be looking for petite because all the jeans are too long. Listen, I have, I'll have long plus uh, petite. I want to cater to all of us. So, if we have a problem or can't find something, then it's okay. Let's do it on our own. Yes. Stop crying and, and, and being upset about what we don't have. Okay, how can we create it? We have to pull our funds together. Listen, we have to I be on each it. other's team. We have to stop being against each other. Okay, I'm not going to support your business because you're going to take money from me. No, we have to be a collective group with numbers. We are so powerful. I'll never forget. Out of, uh, what's, what's that movie? Planet of the Apes. The monkey took the ape. I'm sorry took the stick and he made an example and he held the stick like this and broke it. But when he put three sticks together, he could not break it. And if we understand and we just stick together, we can get so much more done. So I'm much more. Listen, I was trying to find gluten-free cupcakes. I hit up three black-owned businesses and could not find one until Sister Sweets, which was the young girls. And I love them. I support them 100%. But it was crazy because before I found them, or rather my husband found them, I had reached out to like three different amazing bakers, um, black women, and none of them responded. When I asked like, hey, I love your work. Do you do gluten-free? No response, crickets. And that's the thing that is very discouraging for me. And I want I genuinely want to support black owned business. And I'm not gonna give up, but I, I just want us to be more accountable. We already have so many strikes against us. We already have so many people saying we're unprofessional with this, with that. We have to boost our own morale within our community. So I am, I'm all for it. Um, I do not want to hold up too much of your time, but I know I there's another question that I wanted to get to. 
um they're saying now that as of saturday there were at least 13 between 13 and 1400 young people that have been arrested due to being out there and the looting and all that what support do you guys um you know i don't even know how to word that like how are you guys feeling about that what are your thoughts in terms of the young people going out and now getting themselves arrested do you think that that you know, is it should incite us to want to get out there more, or is that a sign that you know our efforts are in vain? Well, you know, I think the bigger part of that is it comes back to the uh, the law community. You have a lot of powerful black lawyers and black law associations and black law groups out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the day during the civil rights movement, they would. Uh, before they did any major demonstration or protests and, and, and put certain people out there, they, they created an infrastructure behind those people mm-hmm. that if they got arrested, they have a lawyer already available, they had bail money, they had all of these things in place because it was a strategy. There was a plan of action on how to do it. Uh, today, we have some of that. We've seen that I mean, unfortunately, it's like organizing has become like this big business in the mm-hmm. case, right? That, you know, you become a professional organizer. Um, and so some organizations provide that support. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but organizations provide that support while others don't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that um, if you're going to put young people out there, like black lawyers in particular, need to make a, a, a and I mean I don't care if you got to create Facebook messages or you got to get in touch with them and say look we got you yeah we need some we help have, lawyers you know Colin yeah. Kaepernick put up some money uh for those who were arrested in uh Minnesota yeah he he decided to, to to help them with their legal fees and again that's another part of this situation because we're in this hypersensitive moment Whereas a normal protest with a less, with less uh, hypersensitivity would probably, you know, you probably get a little slap on the wrist and yeah. be able to go home. Now, now, you, you gotta be made an example. Almost gonna be deemed a damn terrorist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and so you might, with, with might have been a week in a jail, might be a week or two or three. Uh, and we saw that during the Freddie Gray situation. Mm-hmm. And protesters were in jail for weeks because of they didn't have the legal representation, their families couldn't bail them out. Mm -hmm. And so again, this goes back to something and I know that uh, groups like Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle and many other groups locally in Baltimore teach about making sure that there's a whole line of infrastructure behind this process. So that way when when these arrests happen, our young people are protected, otherwise, it's going to be more interesting to see how many young people are actually coming out of prison. And if some of those young people already have prior issues, uh, then they ain't coming home right now. Yeah, I'm looking right now um, at people.com and I'm seeing that there's a, a moving trend where you have a lot of celebrities that are matching a thousand dollars and that, you know, maybe that's not enough. I don't know, don't judge me. Um, I mean, I Iman, Steve, is that enough? Steve Carell. <laughs> <laughs> Janelle Monet, Don Cheadle, Keelani, they're all putting up like a thousand dollars and like trying to match each other. Well, like we know, we know now that like now I mean, like y'all got all this money up there. But you forget, yeah, that's all right. True. Well, thank you, thank you. We're gonna be grateful, I guess. <laughs> I guess maybe I don't know. So, I mean, hey, listen, know. this we're gonna say, all right, thanks, but I'm gonna just throw this out here. We need a little bit more. Daisy, that's a pair of shoes for you, like right. <laughs> maybe not something. <laughs> 
But Jay-Z and Beyonce, <laughs> of course, they put up money and they, they help people out and stuff like that. But I'm just saying that, that, that uh, I, here's the point real quick. We can't wait on the benevolence of, of other people to take care of us. To hold us, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's the right thing to do. I, unfortunately, this is 2020 where people, the right thing to do can mean a whole lot of different things to, to, to different people. people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so we do, again, You, if you went out there as a young person, as an activist, don't put yourself in a situation that you don't have an exit plan for. Just like Iman said, if you ain't got no exit plan, if you're going to go out there and then you're going to put grandma, mama, auntie in the bag, I mean, they're going to have to dig in the bag. They're going to have to figure it all out and stuff. It might be best to just say, all right, let me just organize. Let me let me organize in a different way because your activism, your passion can become somebody else's burden and pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we got we to gotta get our numbers up. We have to get our numbers up. So my last question for you today, Iman, because I, I'm in agreement with you in terms of not wanting to get out there and marching anymore. What alternative would you have for someone like yourself and myself who doesn't want to necessarily get out there and, you know, hold picket signs begging people to not kill us? So, um, the informative one, educate, educate, educate. That's the biggest thing. A lot of us aren't doing or are doing certain things because we're uneducated on certain subjects. Um, so we have to take responsibility to educate each other. And then economics. Let's talk numbers. Literally, we have to start financially boycotting. Like, we have to. Don't go here and go here for, the, for those things. We have to. And like Faraji said, back then, when there was type of protest, it was organized. Um, Rosa Parks, the uh, whole boycott with the buses, that was being planned for months. They know they knew who to contact when that red flag went up, who to go to when that happened. It took months of organizing. So again, numbers. We have to have numbers. And just want to throw this out there. Let's go ahead and start our combat training. And if you can get a legal firearm, prepare yourself. Now I'm not saying it's gonna be a race war, we're gonna be out here shooting everybody. I'm not saying that. But we have to we have to be prepared at this point. Put the emotion to the side and be logical and tactical. We have to be prepared. Let me just throw this out to my listeners. Um, if you own one of those cards to buy marijuana, you can't get a firearm. So you better uh, weigh your options. Yeah, you yeah. Before you fill the application, think about it. <laughs> That's a big thing. I, I know people who are like, dang, I wanted to get my, my license to carry a gun, but dang, I, I got my weed card. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. Listen. Yeah. And that's a funny thing who they, they, it's easy to get one of those cards than it is to get a business loan. It was easy to get one of those cards targeted, not targeted at blacks, but a lot of us in our community are able to get that card much easier than we're able that's to get a gun permit. That's it. So it's, it's, it's $200 to get that card. That's it. The that's gun it. permit, you know what you got to go through. Oh, he got $200. Here you go. I'm depressed. That's it. You literally all you have to do is depressed, pay two hundred dollars, you got it. And where and where the dispensaries at? Don't ask me how I know that. Where the dispensaries at? Where they where they usually located? Easy access for us, correct? But we can't go get a gun. Mm. That's okay. Okay, Faraji, any last comments that you want to make? You know what? Just the only thing is, uh, and I think that it, it, 
you know, let's be empowered in informed citizens, you know, learn how the system works, um, you know, participate, vote in your interest. If you got, you know, we got primaries coming up, vote your interest. Um, and, and a lot of the, if we're talking about policing, a lot of that happens on the state level. And so, you know, in Maryland, that process is from January till about April for the state legislation. So you got to be active. You got to be active and, you know, know exactly who the power brokers are, the decision makers. And then that way you can create a strategy on how to talk to them, how to get those things changed. If we if we're not talking about changing policy, if we're not talking about protecting lives and changing how police do their jobs and more importantly, how we can be participate on a much more uh, greater level than all this other stuff. It's not, it's nothing. We're going, if something happens to somebody like they did uh, George Floyd this weekend or today in the midst of this protest, somebody gets killed in the midst of this protest, then what are we going to do? We going, I mean, how Let's are we going to respond? <laughs> and, and so we got to ask those very hard, difficult questions, especially within our community. It can't be this knee jerk reaction. It has to be there has to be some real strategy, some real planning that, that has to be involved. And one last thing with the with what Faraji said, as far as the policies and procedures when it comes to police, from what I have learned so far, everyone that is listening, please learn the difference between our actual laws and police policies. Mm-hmm. Some of their policies that they're yep. allowed to follow is not the same as the law. Yep. It's a loophole in everything. Yep. So make sure you know what you're doing when you're talking and know what you're doing when you're actually taking action on it because that's it's a difference. No yep. difference between their policy and the procedures versus the law. You got to know the difference. So I'm, I'm challenging you now, Iman, to make a video that you post on your social media where you inform your, your friends and your colleagues about those loopholes because, you know, you're someone who's actually studying criminal justice. Um, I'm an elementary teacher. So, you know, I don't know a lot about those policies. And so, you know, as when I asked you before, what is something that you could do versus going out there and protesting? You have a voice, you have knowledge that many of us don't have. So you can literally just take to your social media and just put that stuff out there. You can put it out there through a video. You can do it for some bullets for people that don't like watching videos and rather just read something. Like, I'm, that's my challenge for you. You're not the first person to say and that. I, that's I, I will watch it. I will share it. I will share it on my on my Instagram. I will share it on my Twitter and my Facebook because I think that that is awesome information for our young people. And I mean, like, that can save lives. Like, literally, that yeah. itself can save lives and help someone from being the next George Floyd or, you know, Ahmaud Arbery. Oh, gosh, I'm I know yeah. I just I hate to even think about you know yeah. what happened to him I hate to think about what happened to any of them but I I'm challenging you to do that and I'm I'm gonna be looking for it so I accept the challenge you know you're not first person to say that to me so I and guess I'm good right now I guess so I have to. opportunity to go ahead and <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you thank you Got I'm ready <laughs> listen I'm with all of it <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much again, Iman, for coming on the show. No problem. Raji, um, I'm going to be looking out for 
the amazing work that I know the two of you are going to continue doing here in Baltimore City. I know your voices have the power to stretch even further than Baltimore City. So I'm, I'm rooting for both of you to get your message out there. So please stay safe, stay black. We shall. <laughs> and I will check in with y'all later. Thank you. Thank you. Joining me for this special roundtable conversation is Lakai Sims, mother of two, who is currently pursuing a degree in psychology while maintaining a full residency as program coordinator, instructor of assistant and assistant of assistant living manager training. Excuse me. I'm also joined by Tamara Joy McKnight, author of Images of Me and Mom to a Handsome Boy. And of course, I had to bring on my very special guest, my own mother. Miss Wanda, who raised three phenomenal, three phenomenal girls, but she has a son, you know. <laughs> the jury is still out on that guy, but <laughs> um, I had to bring her on to share some of her expertise because she comes with some knowledge and some experiences that I think we all could appreciate because she has a grown son who is 32 years old, and we each have sons that are of very different ages, and I think that that. Um, that's so necessary because my son is the youngest, as you guys may know, and I want to hear from more seasoned mothers of boys and your experiences. So thank you all for being on the show. We're going to start right here. The horrific killing of George Floyd. What was your initial reaction? I'm going to start with you. Um, now, please make sure I'm saying your name correctly. Tamara? Or yes. Tamara. Yes. Got it. I have a sister who spells her name the same way, but it's Tamara. So I got oh, it. yeah. People call me that too, but yeah, Tamara. <laughs> awesome. Tamara, what was your initial reaction when you heard about the killing? Oh my gosh, my heart broke. I I, I instantly went in like in prayer, um, you know, for his soul and his spirit, you know, to rest well. I just thought about my son. You know, my son is only 13, but at the same time, we know looking, you know, backwards that you know, the innocent killings of our young black boys as well. So, you know, I was actually enraged, but also heartbroken, sad, and I cried for him. And I just was like, Lord, I'm so tired, you know, of this happening to our, you know, our black men, our black boys, you know, it's like, you know, who are we gonna have if they're all gone? You know, because they're like our protectors, you know, outside of God. So it's like, you know, I, I, I was so I was so heartbroken from that story. Yeah, I'm with you. Makai, what was your initial reaction when you found out? I agree with her about our young boys and the f fact that they're now, they're an endangered species now. There's, our boys are exotic endangered species. And well, the video of George Floyd's death, I saw a whole bunch of different videos. So honestly, I was like, kind of, I didn't get the full scope of it. Honestly, until yesterday, when I saw another video that was a lot more clear, and you can see the ground, and he said, I was moving, hearing clearly say, I think I'm about to die. Okay, so it's like, wow. And it's on. Get 
a little bit of feedback from you, Lakai. Is somebody music? Somebody is, not me. Oh. Wait a minute, hold on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I, I'm I'm with you, Wanda. Mom, should I call you? Should I call you Wanda or should I call you Mom? Why don't you call me Mom? How about that? Hold up. One, one second. Can I finish? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My apologies. I'm sorry. Like the feedback, it threw me off for a second. I apologize. <laughs> no, but when it happened, it immediately brought me back to um, video of. <laughs> When I saw that video of Ahmaud Arbery being murdered, literally my heart dropped to my kneecaps and I cried off of that video mm -hmm. because he's only 25 years old and my son is closer to his age than anything. And it, it scared me even more because he was doing something that my son literally does every day. You know Tyree is an athlete. How he old is He is 16. He, but he looks like he's in college. He's built. Hey, remember that time I told you I came up to the football field, I had my glasses on and I saw that fine little morsel on the field and I'm like, coach. And then he started running towards me and my vision got clear and I'm like, oh my God, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's built like a grown man, he's cut up. And a lot of the times people look at him and they assume that he's way older than what he is. So I know that he immediately looks like a threat. And I just, my, my heart just sank because I'm like, he could be jogging down the street one day doing one of the required training that his coach asked him to do. And some racist person, you know, we live in Pennsylvania, um, could come along and just feel like they have the right to question him. And he's such a firecracker. He's so passionate about himself and being black and being strong and you're not going to pump me that he don't even think about those type of coins. He'll snap back real, real quick, real fast. And it terrifies me to the point where I think I was telling you I was considering buying him t-shirts that said, um, don't shoot, I live in a neighborhood. Or maybe one that says, please don't kill me. My mother believes in eye for an eye. Take that how you want. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, that's deep. And uh, when, you, when you told me that, I was like, I have to bring her on because that thinking and that fear, that's real. Like that's deep. And I needed you to come and be able to share that because that that is I can't I can't I couldn't even imagine like that is the fact that your mind even had to go there to think to buy your son a shirt like that that says a lot about the conditions that we as black people are living in here in America that says a lot you know what's funny and I'm done after this statement Alanda but what's funny is I was just saying to Paul that the excuse my language, I'm not racist at all, but it's just the fact they are white. The white people out here <laughs> right now um, are acting very strange. Not, They're always okay. They're always fine, they're always nice, and never really had any major issues with them. But now they're in two categories. They are either over the top nice and helpful and patient and just okay. Or they like, you walk in the store, I'm looking at you, you looking at me, I'm looking at you, you looking at me. <laughs> like, you can tell that they pissed off and they angry, but they not gonna say nothing though because they know that if they do, it's probably gonna get real. So I'm just gonna go my separate way, you go yours, and I'm like, this is crazy. That I'm, I love that she said that. We're gonna get more into that later because that was that was a really good point. Um, Mom, what was your initial, initial thought when you saw or heard the George about George Floyd? 
Well, my initial thought was outrage and sadness and despair because, you know, so often this has happened and the looting, the rioting, everything that's going on, it's all stuff that we learned. So there was a young lady who spoke that I heard yesterday and I could truly relate to what she was saying because, you know, in essence, I don't like the fact that they're tearing up everything. But I do remember things like Black Wall Street, how they dropped the bombs in Philadelphia, how they did different things to the Black community, even out here in Florida, where I'm currently at right now, in Rosewood. You know, all of a, because of a lie. So I, go, I had to go back to the story of the white excuse my French, I'm not prejudiced, a white Caucasian woman who was in Central Park. And just the fact that she knew mm -hmm. she could that. Mm -hmm. Because the thought or the threat of a black child, I mean, you know, I think about my son all the time, even if he's 32 years old. And I'm like, good God, I don't know how he made it. Because he's one of those mm, headstrong you know, he, he, he gets it from me, I, I must admit. Now, I'm not going to say he don't necessarily may have gotten some of it from his dad, but he is a man who does not take any foolishness. He's very protective of me. He's very protective of his sisters, you, Nera, and his family as a whole. I remember times growing up that somebody was getting in trouble in the family and they called Gordon. And I'm like, what the? He the littlest thing smoking. But everybody want to call him because, but he was, he's very passionate about people that he loves. And that's what scares me the most because his passion and his belief in what is right and what is wrong, you know, is heart wrenching. And I tell you, even with his girlfriend, like sometimes if he ain't home by a certain time, and this is before Floyd even had it, I said, what time? What don't go and normally get home before this time, you know? And she like, yeah, he didn't answer before. And so I called him, you know? So even at this age now, I still look out for where, where's my son? Mm -hmm. Where's he at? Because even me as a black woman, I experienced racism, before, I experienced police brutality before the cameras were available before videos where the police took a video that showed me being brutalized. And I was 35 years old. So as a black mother who experienced it herself, imagine how I feel about my son or watching that young man call out for his mother who's been dead for two years. It tore my heart apart. And even all the consecutive stories that I'm hearing every day, and every day, a 14-year-old boy who was just riddled with 72 bullets. I Ooh, agree. I whoa, 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 wait. I wait. can't even. Yes. I'm so I can't even. Yeah, there's a 14-year-old boy who was just recently killed, and they, they he had 72 holes in his body. Oh, my gosh. Was it here? No, it wasn't in Baltimore. It was, I believe, I, I, I have to look it back up because I did share it um, as, you know, different people. Some people inbox me different stories because they know my passion and my plight. Uh, so, you know, they'll send me different stories and I share it with everybody though. But 
that tore my heart out because it sh- this stuff should not be happening. Yeah. In this day and age, but it's but you one thing I want people to remember, uh, Will Smith. Will Smith said it best when he said, "It's not new. It's just being filmed now. That's the only difference." So I want, I love that's so true. I want to move on to my next question, and I'm gonna start with you again, um, Tamara. Is there a part of this incident that has been harder for you to believe or to accept? Um, it's 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 not hard to believe because. You know, as we know history, it goes so far back. Um, you don't never want to accept it, but at the same time, it's our, it's, it's, it's the life that we live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get so tired of, you know, other races calling us aggressive because we are truth tellers. We speak truth and that's all we know is to speak truth. And we're proud of speaking truth and to say that we are we come off aggressive because we're passionate about our truth is what you know really really gets me because now it's like i gotta hold myself back so you won't think that i'm being aggressive towards you when i'm just trying to tell you my truth and then not only that when you are calm when you watch some of the videos and our black you know men are calm they antagonize them. So it's like if someone's poking, 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 Mm -hmm. it's like now you go from zero to a hundred and it's like, okay, you gave me no other choice but to become aggressive. It's like, you don't, nobody want to die. Everybody want to go home at the end of the day when you, you know, come across being uh, antagonized by the police officer. We all want to go home. But if you keep poking, 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 and I know they do it on purpose. You know, we're not gonna say they don't. They do it on purpose yeah. because they know that they will get away with it. Yep. Okay. Yep. I love yep. that. Um, so, I, like, I feel like, you know, this, it, it, I don't think it's hard for any of us to believe. Like, we know this is not, like, as you said, this has been happening. This is the, this is woven into the fabric of America. We know that this is not anything new. The question that I want to ask you, Lakai, is: Did you feel compelled to have a conversation with your son about the incident? And if you did, how did you have that conversation? In tears. I was literally shaking. Whenever I have to go to my son to point something out to him, because he's so protected you know he he he's he's been around uh, a diverse if you would like to put it that way a diverse community his whole entire life you know what I mean we even have a, a mixed family we have mixed culture so in his mind in his bubble everything is handy dandy because we as the elders and the adults in the family we protect all of the children from all of this stuff so when I have to come to him to open his eyes so that he can understand why I respond and act and behave the way that I act and behave. When you ask me, can you go to the gym uh, in our community? But I look up and it's 10 o'clock at night. You 10, you 16 years old. Where in the world are you? And I call your phone and you do not answer me. Or mm-hmm. I call you FaceTime and you do not pick up. This is what my mind immediately goes to, especially yep. living out here in Pennsylvania, knowing that we have racist and outright racist individuals out oh. here. I immediately think that you have been shot in your head, laying dead in the parking lot by our mailbox by some racist asshole, excuse my language, that didn't even 
that didn't even give you the time of day to explain that you are a child. You are trying to break into our community. He don't even live in this neighborhood, but he's (laughs) questioning whether or not you do. And that's the type of world that we live in. You don't even live around here, but you're questioning whether or not I do. Right. And you don't even give me the opportunity to explain because you're too busy, like she said, antagonizing me to react, to pop off, to get angry. So when something does happen, you can always say, well, he started and I thought that. There you go. And they're going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. She, because it, it, it actually, it happened to me out here just driving. And I had Aria in the backseat. Now granted, yes, I might have been a slab bit above the speed limit. But when I pulled over... I was pleasant, I was calm, I was smiling. How you doing? It was a nice day outside. I was not rude and he, you could just, and I had my mother on the phone because my mother always taught yeah. me that if I get pulled over by a cop and I do not have a video, always call her if I get pulled over so that she hear and attest to everything that has happened. I yeah. had her on the phone and he sat there and antagonized me. Wow. No matter how it, it seems that the fact that I was being nice and respectful seemed to piss him off mm-hmm. because he wanted me to be angry right. and off at him. And then he's like, well, I, I'm going to write you going ahead and write you a warning unless you want a ticket. And I said, well, you know, with my favorite line here, with all due respect, <laughs> um, who wants a ticket? <laughs> And, so, and I laughed. And officer, he, give me a ticket so I can spend my hard-earned money. Money, yeah. I mean, like, it'd be, and at that point, he had to realize, like, you know what? I'm being really aggressive unnecessarily. I was lighthearted the whole time, and you were aggressive the whole time. And then when my mother said something, he realized, oh, somebody else is listening in on that. He piped down and went on ahead and gave me that warning. But he spent that whole time trying to get me angry. Right. Saying yeah. all of the stuff, poking and poking and poking the bear. And I just went to him. It truly is a sad thing, the fear that we have the moment that a cop pulls up behind our car. Um, right. My son, mm. who is, yeah. you know, um, he'll be seven in a couple of weeks. Um, when he was about five years old, my husband, he and my husband were out and my husband got pulled over. Um, I don't think he even got a ticket, but he got pulled over and my son was in the car. Nigel started crying. Oh no. I mean, he was literally crying. No. He was so scared. He's daddy, I'm so scared. And we don't, we, I, I promise you, I am not that mom who's like, F the police, they just trying to kill us. I'm not that mom. I've seen, you know, we've had situations like that in Baltimore, um, which I don't even want to get into that topic because I get really emotional about the young woman who was killed by the police officers. But just that rhetoric of that ingraining that into your children. I'm not ingraining fear into my son. Mm-hmm. But for him to just have that without his father or I putting that in him, that 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 was heartbreaking for me. And so now I'm posing this and either one, any one of you can answer this question for me because now this is like a really personal question. You know, having such a young son and him having that fear, how do I have race conversations with my six my six year old? Because I'm still struggling with that conversation. Kids in range are very black and white. They're very simple, meaning um, they either how do they code? They see it and they rationalize it the way that it makes sense to them. It's very plain to them. 
if I see somebody and you talk to me initially, these people are supposed to help and protect us. But I see you in this uniform because that's how we help them to identify, you know, the people that are supposed to help and protect us, right? They wear a badge, they have a cop uniform, they're doctors, they're this, they're that. But if they see from their plain eyes that you are hurting somebody for no good reason, and all, all of these people are so hurt and outraged by what you did, that means that what you did is wrong. And the fact that people like you and for them, it doesn't, the face doesn't matter. It, all, all it matters is that it's people like you that keep doing police officers the same thing over and over and over. That means I'm supposed to be afraid of you. And, and nobody had to teach that to me. You taught it to me with your behavior. Mm. So, um, it, now you have to come in on the back end and kind of explain to him, giving him a better analogy or another analogy to compare to. People are not always the greatest people. All moms are not always the best moms. Our dads are not always the best dads. But that doesn't mean that all moms are bad. And that doesn't mean that all dads are bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. All cops are not all, are not all good cops. And that is very, very true. But you also do have some cops out there that look exactly like them that are here for us. And you can even show him the clips of those officers that are standing in protests with us, um, arm in arm, that are marching with us, took that mask off, because I could care less if you know what I look like or you know what my name is. What y'all are doing are wrong, is wrong. When I took this oath, I took an oath to serve and protect, not to do that. There are plenty of cops out there that still believe in that, that are white also. And you can show him stuff like that so that he can help to start gauging his um, his way of reasoning and rationalizing and knowing how to determine and distinguish between what's right and what's wrong in those particular areas and scenarios. Because he's going to figure it out on his own. I love that. Thank but, you. Does, does anybody else want to add to that? Yeah. That was yeah. I, I would. I'd also like to add that because uh, of the field that you and your husband are currently in as being activists and being out in the community and having him with you at rallies and different things, that naturally he is going to, which is a beautiful thing because he needs to learn it young. But he also, I wholeheartedly agree with Lakai's um, comment that he does need to, you need to have a general conversation with him to let him know the differences. But also his intuition is being built up. Children have the ability, just like some adults, if you hone into it, they can sense if somebody's, if they posing fear to them or if they're good to them. So it may have been that situation. They can sense things that sometimes adults have blocked out as they've gotten older. So you have to remember that you allow him to always rely on your gut and your intuition and you go with it. Whatever you're feeling, if you feel that a situation is not right, if you feel that something is not correct, then you, you're going to respond. And that's what he was doing. He was responding to an inner fear. But you definitely need to talk to him because y'all are very publicly out in, in the spotlight arena of activism and everything that's going on in the communities. So even if you think he's not listening, he listening. Mm -hmm. yeah. Listening. He's absorbing all of it. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie to you, ladies. Um, those days of marching are over for me. 
I'm not gonna lie. And I, and I, will, I, will get, I, will, I will get into that with you guys later. When you check out the show, I had the opportunity to um, to talk to uh, one of the activists who was really active during the Freddie Gray uprising. I was also, my husband and I were both also very active in that time. And so I had a, a really great conversation with her where we talked a little bit about why, you know, so many of us who were out there and in the trenches when Freddie Gray happened, when Trayvon Martin right. happened, um, Mike Brown, Tamir Rice, like I was out there. I was marching, I was doing justice or else. I mean, I was organizing, I did a, I did a lot. And like my feelings now, looking five years later, looking at the way that Baltimore City still is, I will mm-hmm. never get out there and march like that again. Can I just, can I ask? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me hold this in. Are you going to ask about the looting and rioting? Yep. Then I don't want to jump the gun. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have, I have a list of 10 questions. That's why some of them are kind of like, let me just get one sister on this one. Because okay. I, I'm, there's so much good stuff. And you guys are- Can you ask me about looting and riding though? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I got, ask you. I got something to say. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> um, so I want to, I want to move on, I guess a little bit. So this situation has been unique in a couple of ways. Mayor Jacob Frey of Minneapolis fired the cops once the video was made public and the um, the, the attorney of that county has pressed charges against former officer Derek Chavin of murder and manslaughter all within a four-day time span. Does this make you feel hopeful that some semblance of justice may be served in this case or have we got to the point that even if convictions are made, we are too far gone, and this is only a band-aid to cover up a wound. So I think you have your hand up. I'm gonna let you go ahead and take this. I can definitely say, okay, first of all, arrested <laughs> does not affect me at all because not only was he arrested, but they only gave him a $500,000 bond and they Whoa. charged him with third degree murder instead of right. first degree murder. Thank not you. to mention that the other three officers that were there also need to be arrested because Mm. there's another video that came out that shows them beating him Mm -hmm. in the car, taking turns before he even ended up on the ground. So this is just a Band-Aid. And and convicting him, I mean, you know, it's appalling to me that it would have to come to this arena so far gone that I don't think we can come back from it. There has to be some immediate changes because without it, we're not going to, this city is not going to survive. The whole culprit is that the white community recognizes the power of the black man and woman. If you come together in unity, they know that we cannot be defeated. That is ultimately number one. We are not we are not over any other we are not jealous of any other race. If you are truly recognize the beauty of who we are and why we were created and who created us, then you recognize the strength in us. And that has always been their norm from the time of slavery, and that's to knock us down, to break us as a people and to separate us. If we stick together, we are a force that cannot that cannot. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tamara, what is what is your what is your your take on you know? Oh God. <laughs> I'm going. Whew, I'm going to say, whew, the battle is not mine. It's the Lord's, and I'm just going to 
continue to just just pray on it because I just feel like there's no hope there. Yeah. You know, as we seen also, you know, with the Zimmerman case, how they brought charges to him, but yet he's walking free. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm like, what is there else to be done? But as us as women to raise our children to take over Senate seats, delegate seats, to be in the House of Congress. Mm -hmm. And to, to, to let them know you can be president, you can be anything that you put your mind to, because God gives us purpose and you can do it. So if we can, you know, as a people come together and put our children just to let them know that we can do this and to get the generation that's coming behind us to get in those seats and to want to do it, then that's what is going to change. But if we keep allowing the young boy to be on the corner and who's smart. They are smart out there on that corner. Mm -hmm. But yet that's all they see because we got too many parents that want to be just friends mm. with their children instead of, you know, Thanks. let's raise them. I'm not, I tell my son all the time, I am not, I'm your, not your friend. friend. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> if you finish college, I'll be your friend after you finish college. But right now, brother, I am not your friend. I am your mother. And this is what I expect of you. So that way when, you know, God forbid that time happens for you, you know how to deal in those situations and you know and stuff like that so i feel like if we just raise our kings and queens just to you know take over these house seats and we can change laws yeah i, I can say that's part of the reason why for me I, now i gotta jump i gotta jump ahead i gotta jump ahead to the whole looting thing hear me out first, real quick. all right <laughs> hear me out real quick so after freddie gray myself and a bunch of other groups lbs grassroots and so many other grassroots organizations and they're still doing this go yeah. out every year during the general assembly and try to actually put bills out there for, for police reform and other reforms that create change and mm -hmm. every single year those reforms and bills have been knocked down Whew. that is one of my reasons as to one why i will never march again and why part of me feels like the looting does more damage than it does good. It brings attention for media purposes. You get right. media that comes down here, it's boosting their ratings, they're getting more money. So exactly. ultimately, we're, we're lowering the property value in our own communities. That's another one. We Businesses don't want to come to our communities because they don't see the value in our communities. That's another thing. And there's, there's a lot of data that supports that. Um, I think it's from like a berkeley.com and some other ones. So we're doing all this looting. We're doing all this destroying of our own communities, not the communities where the, the racist people are living, the communities where we're living. Right, right. Where we, we're burning down the only store that we can go get toilet paper from and my baby's diapers and her wife's. And you ain't got no car. And you don't, don't have a go car. Drive. You don't have a Thank you. You don't have a system in place to, to, to back that up. You don't have people coming to say, oh, well, I know grandma has to go to the store to get her medicine. So let's all band together to make sure that grandma's still getting her medicine. You don't have the young people that are out there burning down these, these businesses doing okay. that. I yep. get being upset, but I don't, for me, it's misplaced. It's misplaced. Not only that, you're burning down your own neighborhood. You're lowering the property value. You're not replacing it, and you're not making the laws are not being changed. 
So that's the issue that I have. We have got to think more strategically. I'm not saying don't be upset. I'm not saying don't burn and don't loot. But for me, you ain't doing it at Roland Park. You're not doing it where the white people live. You're doing it in your own community. Go ahead, like I see. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, thank you. All right. (laughs) This whole time, I could not agree with you more. Okay. (laughs) No, no, hear me out. People get so upset over this, um, the word gentrification. But all you're really doing is creating um, an opportunity for that to occur in our predominantly black neighborhoods by looting and destroying our neighborhoods. You want to know why? Because we're not going to get the funding. We're not going to get the money. We're not going to get the loans to rebuild those neighborhoods. So what happens? A private investor comes in and decides, you know what? I want to now turn this community into this. And they're going to force all of y'all out. And now you're down here living in the projects and you're angry and you're mad about the gentrification. But you weren't thinking past go when you decided to burn down and destroy your own neighborhood that you have to live in. If you were going to do it, when I saw the video of them breaking into like Linux Mall and destroying Gucci and whatnot, and I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be done. Because you know what? Break up the white, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, if you're gonna force their hand, you gotta break up their shit. You can't, excuse my language, you're breaking up your own stuff. They gonna, they send back Ian Popcorn watching CNN. They're the ones that have the proper insurance for for stuff like that to happen. Hmm. They will get reimbursed. They will get their money back. Big businesses and and things like that, they're gonna get that back. But small black businesses that had to beg for a loan, had to, had to work hard to save their own money, their scraps to put into the seed work of getting this off the ground. They prayed and cried, neglected their children and their family because they knew and believed in their dream. And they just wanted to get there so that they could provide their family with a better life than what they came from. And then they wanted to put back into this community and did that. And you just destroyed it and took it from them. They're not gonna get that loan again to restart and to rebuild. You, you are robbing your own ancestors right now. And these right. are businesses that have been in the neighborhood for 40 and 50 And years. a lot of them, and uh, to be honest, a lot of them, they won't be able to rebuild. That might not have death sense right. they're building. And it's sad because like, as you said, when, these, when the property value goes down, you know, they're gonna, you know, those corporations, they're gonna come in and buy it up for the for cheap, for nothing. Yes. Yes. And they're gonna charge so much. I am a I am a teacher, a, a, a teacher in Baltimore City, and Baltimore City is dang when they're too expensive for me to live in. Yeah, right. expensive because right. they have, they're trying. I feel like it's a systemic and trying to break us down. And, and I might take it a little bit too far, but this just is how I feel. It's a, a modern day way of trying to get us back into a form of slavery. They are trying to break us down so that we can either have not, have nothing, and or are constantly dependent upon them for every single solitary thing because they will use this as an excuse as to why they shouldn't give even a new black person alone to open up and start their own businesses. It'll be harder for the other people coming along to do it now because of how we behaved and how we reacted in our own community. Why should we invest? Oh, yeah. Anybody okay. else want to chime in before I, I move to next Hey, I, I got to say this real quick. Now, I, I get what both of y'all are saying. I agree with the 100%. But one thing systematically that y'all not paying attention to is that <laughs> 
bricks that, that appear in the middle of a street where they know they're going to be protesting, where there is no work workers. Pieces of wood. Some of the looting, the looting in Minnesota did not start by black people. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree started, with you on that. Uh, it started by Caucasians because they want to be able to do exactly what y'all are saying. And mm -hmm. that is say that y'all not gonna get anything. But you right. have to remember something. There's a black woman who was, some white women were painting on the Starbucks saying Black Lives Matter. And they stopped and said, don't do that. They're gonna think that's us, black people. We're not the ones doing that and we didn't ask you to do that. Do not destroy those businesses. So you have to remember something. It's all systematic. The protest, everything that's going on is a way to utilize the protest as a means to say that we don't deserve anything. I mean, but I, so, I honestly, and it's but not I, think, I agree with what you're saying, but I also do think that it is a mixture. I do think there are, are agitators, for sure. For sure, okay. they're agitators, but there are also black people out there that are using this as an opportunity to yeah, destroy. Right. So I think it's a, a, a twofold. Tamara, I want to get your thought really quickly before I move on to because I see you, like, I want you to feel excluded. <laughs> oh, no. to Christ, you know, over, since I was 16, but I rededicated my life to Christ over a year ago. So for me, I can't return hate for hate. Right. Just as much as somebody might hate me, I can't hate them because I want to walk more like Jesus. And he hated no one. Even mm -hmm. when he was getting persecuted, he hated no one. So for them to loot and burn down our own community is just not right and not to go to someone else's community and, 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 and burn down. Also, I just believe wholeheartedly we got to fight back by being so smarter than them. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, like, like your mom said, they're afraid of our power. Mm -hmm. They know what power as Black possess. And it's like, okay, if we let them go further, they're going to surpass us. And that's not what they want. So, you know, I don't agree with, you know, just the looting, stealing, you know. Yeah, I can't, I can't say go ahead and steal. You're right, it's gotten so ugly. If if you see people, and, and it's white people too, you see people literally yeah. taking stuff out right. of the Target. And like, yeah. come on, like that's not the mission. That's not Target. That's not Target. the mission. <laughs> and then it's like, the white that's people doing it because the black people doing it, so give them a reason to steal. First of all, let me real quick while we brought up Target, because I know it's like all fun and games. I see pe I've seen people say, oh, whatever, it's just Target. But this is the thing we are doing. We've been living through a COVID-19 crisis where millions of people are out of work. Right. 170, this is not a game, 175 Targets have now closed down across the country. Wow. That is so many people now that are out of a job right now. They can't work to feed their children. And we don't think about stuff like that. While we're out here looting and burning down buildings, we're not thinking of the people, the black people that, re that, re that rely on those jobs to feed their children. Right. And for me, that's a problem. That's yeah, a problem. They, we gotta start thinking about the end game. Mm -hmm. start, start thinking past go and here right. and now how we feel and take how we feel here and now and figure out how we can honestly use that to our advantage to do something to change it forever in the future because um yeah. i want to a thousand percent right we are so powerful as i said back and i thought about it 
and with that blackout thing that I sent you guys. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, we spend that much money a year on XYZ. If we took it out for one day, they lose that much money. Imagine how powerful and, and, and just indestructible we would be as a people if mm -hmm. we from now on uh, only utilize black services for every yep. solitary right. thing. I mean, any and everything down to doctors and, and lawyers and the market and the hairdressers, the nail shops, because we love our yep. career. Everything right. only buying our hair from black vendors, black suppliers, black every, if every if we just stop from that day on and mm -hmm. yeah, only solely provided for and bought by black the reality is we don't even trust our own people enough to, right. we don't trust our own people enough to shop for our own people. Right. And right. When, if a black person says you don't believe it, let a white person back it up, then okay, well, you're probably all right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But in a while, because we have bad experiences. Conditions. So we have to try to change that narrative because we've also had bad experiences with white Couple, give them another chance. Yeah. Keep going yeah. back. We still yeah. keep giving them another chance. But for black people, we feel like, oh man, no, you just scamming or you blah blah. No, right. We, no. They may be new to it. You, they, you know, they messed up. They don't have the protocol for it yet, or they're new into this industry and their their skin is still not not as tough, so they don't know how to handle you professionally. Until we show them another way and help to teach them another way, they'll never ever know. That's like taking a kid from the ghetto that's never ever been outside of Baltimore City and you take right. them in Bali, it will blow their mind. Yeah. They will go back to that ghetto and nothing will be good enough for them anymore. Yeah. They would start doing everything in their power to figure out how do I provide that life for myself. Right. Y'all yeah. right. moving me right into my next question. So the impact of racism is a burden that we have been bearing for a long time, as we all know. Should we focus on reforming the system by advocating <laughs> for more just laws and getting more black representatives in it? Or, or is it time for us to stop putting our hope in the system altogether and work to dismantle it? Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. Give us a minute. Give us a minute. You gotta take a minute. Yeah, I'm happy. Do, do I need do I need to ask it again for y'all real quick? Do I need to hear it again? Yeah, just real quick. Oh man. Should we focus on reforming the system that we currently have? Mm. Or is it already just so tainted that we just need to dismantle it and start all over from scratch? I'm gonna have to say dismantle it and start over all over from scratch. Because you must not um, <laughs> Unfortunately, because of the fact that we have, that is so tainted mm. and there's so much corruption, honestly, to have, to even have some black people in those particular offices, if they're not going to fight for the justice of the yep. black people or they're too afraid to mm -hmm. speak out or to right. do anything, it's a mute point. It won't do any, it's, it's, mm -hmm. a black, it's like a black face for a white agenda. Exactly. Yes. 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 So that's that. So for me, I would have to say dismantle it and start all over because and, and but then you have to have a basis for equality. And it's not to just say only black people and, you know, get this everybody. So everybody is on an equal spectrum and you're not just letting blacks and, you know, into those, these positions, but you have to, I mean, it goes back to courthouses. You, you see a black boy and a white boy go 
for the same crime and a black boy getting time and a white boy getting probation or community mm -hmm. service. Right. I mean, right. you know, so the whole system has to be dismantled. And I'm a very spiritual person, but I know that faith without works is dead. So even though that I don't condone the violent piece of it, I can't just sit back and say, I'm just going to pray. Because do you not think our ancestors have been praying all these years that our people that's going through this or me as a mother of a 32-year-old that I don't pray every day, that my son walk in the door, that my son get up, that my grandchildren, my grandsons, that they will be successful in their life or they won't experience racism? No, even within ourselves, the Bible clearly stipulates that you don't pray and just sit back and think God's gonna have stuff. You have to work towards whatever it is that you're striving to achieve. I'm not saying get out there and march, if that you know, or, or whatever, but we do have to change the narrative. We do have mm -hmm. to make it so that everyone feels safe and secure, not just black. We don't, just cause we black and we had a power. We do have the power. We just don't know how to use it. Yep. And it's a system that has been broken for many, many years. The slave masters used different methods and ways to break the black man. Back for ourselves, and our children from this point forward. Break them. Because those are what's keeping us held and down. It's funny that I agree with you all. You could really drop the mic on it. I just wanted to, <laughs> I mean, because that was, that was enough to be said. But to add on to that one quick thing, it's funny that they call us minorities and they call them the majority. Because if you look at the definition of when that, started occurring or why they tagged us that way many 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 years ago that definition doesn't exist anymore we are actually no longer the minority we are actually the majority but they can't label us that because then that would give us the supremacy you know what i mean but we yeah, actually are people of color not just blacks but, but brown that yeah. are not caucasian period in America, we are actually the majority, and we are very popular. But if they give that to us and admit that out loud, they know that that power is going to shift in an actual way, in a real way. So you have to keep that underlying basis there that I'm still better than you. I'm yep. still strong. But in actuality, you're really not. And if we remove ourselves from this equation, America will not be great again. America will die. Y'all yeah. are too weak. You're not as, I'm sorry, you're not as creative. You're not as strong. You're not even as as smart. I'm not even saying that we are. Korea's a hella smart. They're, oh my gosh, they're mind-blowingly intelligent. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to admit that. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, the whole Asian thing is it's such a myth. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just they disciplined. They're just disciplined. They are. And because they're so they're disciplined. Yeah, I agree. They gained a lot of knowledge along the way because they are. If you were to go to Africa, yeah. you know, if you were to teach in Africa, the students they don't walk in that classroom until the teacher says so. They bow, they greet their teachers with respect. Whereas here, being a teacher, this I'm not gonna lie, this has been a rough year for me as a teacher. 
because I feel like I'm coming in there to manage behaviors. I can't even get through a lesson. There have been times that I've literally stopped and walked out the classroom, just closed the door and just stood there like wanting to bang my head on a wall because I'm literally begging you to let me teach you. I'm begging you to pay attention. I'm begging you to not have your phone out when you know that it's a rule in the classroom. Yeah. I am internally you educate you. You wanna when it's time when I if I sit back and say, okay, I'm gonna go to my desk, go ahead, do the work. Now you wanna come on, Miss Mohammed. I don't know what to do. I don't I tried to teach you, but you were talking. Your respect for me as an adult, I mean, it's 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 insane. It's literally insane. Like days that I, I I literally have cried because I just did not want to go to work. That's sad. I'm a black woman. <laughs> who got into this field because I wanted to make a change because I was tired of my children, our children having white faces, teaching them and not giving them culture or or thinking that they were inadequate and trying to teach them the bare minimum for me to Mm -hmm. get in there and be disrespected the way that I am. It's heartbreaking. So we have a lot of dismantling to do. We have to, we got to retrain our babies. Like, I mean, from a very basic level, but when you see the way some of the parents treat me or the way some of the parents talk, or right. lack it's of understanding of something, I can say this very clear. You're like, this is where they get it from. I'm, yep, I'm, exactly. I'm battling so many things. You know, what, you know what, Nera? They're internally distracted. They're internally distracted because of what they see socially and in social media that that is glorified, honestly, yes. by every race yep. in the whole entire world. Yeah. Every race in the whole entire world, we need an education in order to be somebody, in yeah. order to be popular, yeah. in order to get recognized, right. in order to make money. Yeah. I could be an Instagram model. Drake will find me. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. a baby. And if I just believe <laughs> it, it will be. And that's what they look at as a bright future now. That's yeah. what yeah. is just, I got to go for that now. That's the that's the status quo. That's, that's what, what you hit. When you made it big, when everybody knows you on Instagram and you got millions of followers and everybody care about what you think, not when you make it into Congress, not when I have invented the cure for Alzheimer's disease, (laughs) not when I have done, they don't care about none of that stuff anymore. It used to be that way for me and you when we were younger and our parents were like, you know, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be a lawyer. I want you to be this. I want you. Now it's like, girl. If you get in there right, you got to get the algorithm. You got to know that you got to be posted this hour, that hour, this blah, 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 blah. And you got and I'm like, wow, if you put in as much effort into figuring out the algorithms of social media, into actually figuring out the algorithms of your algebra and your geometry, young lady, you actually could be a doctor. Mm. Mm. That's right. Drop my phone on the dismantle. <laughs> you walking away. Boom. Walking away. Boom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She did that. You guys are hilarious. You guys have been so amazing. And y'all have given me so much to think about. Um, I, I absolutely have been enjoying this conversation. So I the, I think that really, I mean, y'all have kind of touched on so much that I just want to end out with the point and ask this last question. Um, at this point, what does healing and power look like to you? Uh, for me, I would say, you know, to train a child up, train a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. So I feel like with this world, they gave up on faith and, you know, they gave up on prayer. Some of them don't believe.
believe in God and some of them don't believe in the Son and the Holy Spirit. But with me, I, 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 I tell my child, you know, prayer has gotten me out of many a thing. Many. You know, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, like, I wouldn't be here today with, you know, you ladies just speaking and talking, especially, you know, um, Nira has my book. I was molested at the age of eight. Um by my grandmother's boyfriend. So going through so many emotions and keeping the secret over 15 years, I'm like, I don't know what to do with my life. And, you know, suicidal thoughts and, you know, things of that nature and, and you know, running with the wrong man because I needed love from, you know, a man. And so I try to teach my son, you know, the experiences, tell him about the experiences that I went through. So that way he can know that sometimes all it takes is prayer and all it takes is surrendering, you know, to his will to get you to that next level. And he said his grace is sufficient and, you know, my strength is through him. So it's like, I just want to be able to, you know, mentor young girls and even young boys, you know, not to be so angry because mm. I'm a single mom and my son father is not in his life. And I started to see the angry anger early on. But I couldn't let him internalize it. So I keep talking to him, you know, and telling him it's okay to, you know, tell your feelings. It's okay to cry because, hey, some of these women are teaching their boys not to cry. Mm. No, because then we're internalizing anger. Yeah. And it builds up as an adult. And they're they're angry at women. They're angry Mm. at men. And it's Mm -hmm. like... You know, to teach them it's okay to cry. Don't tell them stop crying. Let them cry. Go in your room and cry. Cry now. You're going to be okay after you cry. But just to teach them, you know, to not hold that anger in. So when they get in front of that white man or whoever is racist towards them, they don't have to be angry off the bat. Mm, I love it. And one other thing that they're going to have to... Uh, we as parents, you can you can teach all you want, but you have to lead by example. Because right. you your child, oh, don't do that or do this, but you're doing the opposite yes, of what you them not to do. Because the moment you do that, then they ain't going to listen to what you're saying anyway. Oh, yeah. They the opposite direction because they feel like, okay, you telling me not to do this, but I see you doing this and right. you doing yep. that. And all, you, you have to lead by example. And this is where I spoke about breaking those generational curses because it starts from us. It doesn't, and that, and that is the way to empower our children and this generation, the next generation, and our grandchildren, and so on and so forth down the line. You have to lead by example because so many people say, "Teach, oh, it's the parents." No, okay, they do have something to do with it, but they also need to be retrained. And we also have to recognize that mental health is a is a big part of the black community. Oh yeah, our people are mentally broken, and they don't they need to have therapists that they can go to and that they can talk to that look like them that have gone through the struggle with them that understand that fight. Yeah. I'm sorry, oh, excuse my a white therapist can't tell me about me. Just like to be in a relationship with a white man. Me personally, I have nothing against races at all. But I can't personally be in a relationship with a white man because for me right now, you wouldn't understand my plight. You wouldn't understand 
specifically the injustices that I feel because even though you do understand and you with me riding right next to me, whatever, they're going to treat me different than they're going to treat you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If we're out in the white community. Now, and I, and I love everybody. It does not matter what race, nationality you are. But, you know, I find it hard for me when Caucasian men try to talk to me. I'm just going to say, because I'm your daughter and I can say this, don't, don't, you know what, I, I'm all for black women wanting to be with their black kings, but if you find love, if you were to find love in another race, that does not make you any less black. Love is love, and, I, and, and I'm sick of black women being beholden to being disrespected and treated any kind of way, whether it's by a black man or white man. If you find somebody that loves you and treats you like the queen that you are, I don't care if he Caucasian, I don't care if he Hispanic, I don't care. You, you, you take, you, you let love love you. It don't matter what color it is. You let love love you regardless. I get what you're saying. I wholeheartedly do. I can't be hypocritical because I ain't married to a black man. But you best believe if I hadn't been and some other man was able to love me and and and, and ride for me and whatever the case may be, that does not take away that does not take away from my blackness or my love for my people. Because you, I'm your daughter, and I know you've been hurt, whether it's been by a black men or whatever. You deserve to be loved regardless to who they are yeah. and what they look like. Right. So you and take I, love I wherever it comes from. Right, but I don't have a problem. I know I'm just messing with her because I'm her daughter and I know my mom. And there have been guys that tried to talk to her, and she was like, "No, because he white. I ain't talking to him." Girl, you could be. He might love you better than any black man you ever been with. Every time I look at him, I think about the slave master saying, yeah, I got my black woman. Bop. No, sorry. Not for me. Any other time, I can do Chinese, I can do a Indian. Oh, my God. I don't care. I just don't want a white man. It just reminds me of slavery. And them saying, okay, I got my black woman. No, I'm just for me, personally, I don't have any. I love anybody that is in love with people of a different nationality, I am all for it. I don't even look at you one. <laughs> She's like, just, it's not for me. <laughs> it's just, just not for me. That's all it's like my version to almond, uh, almond milk. All right. <laughs> um, it's my, I, my son thinks that I have a problem with him dating um, white girls. And I had to break it down to him, the most sweetheart. <laughs> I've dated a white man. It has nothing to do with their actual race. I don't have a problem with you dating white people or people outside of your race. I have a problem with you specifically excluding your own race. Right? Yep, that's it. That's, that's it. That's the difference. Yep. With, with you looking at the black woman as if she is not worthy mm. enough of the money that you're go- going to be earning in the future and your love and for you to treat her like a queen. That's like saying that I was not worthy. Yep, your mother. Black, you were raised mm. primarily by a black woman and loved wholeheartedly, and she raised you into a king. She gave you, she gave you affirmations every day. This is why you are so confident and cocky and get that going like, and you know you're a king, and you walk around like that. You behave that way. It doesn't even cross your mind that you won't succeed in anything that you try to do because your black mother instilled that into you. So it's yeah. not that I have a problem with it. you dating outside of your race. You can't help who you fall in love with. I have a, a problem if you are purposely not dating black women. I agree. Like, oh, I agree. Too big, too big. That's what I have a problem with. I, I, that I, is 
100% my consent. I 100,000% yes. agree with that. Like, if you just say, oh, I'm not black woman too, this too, that, I'm not, I can't get with it. Because white women be, white women are angry. White women can be loud. White women can be all of the above. Trust me, I work with them. They get off, they get off the chain too. They get loose. They get buck wild. Hell, they, they do a whole lot of stuff that we don't even do. And you act like they some prize possession, whatever. Yeah, I'm not with that. Mm-hmm. Because we remember that pain of us being oppressed, and we don't 
ladies have been absolutely phenomenal. My 40 minute interview has now gone on for like a really long time. Um, and I love it because you guys have given me so much to think about. You guys have shared so much wisdom and insight with me that I actually cannot wait to now. I feel more confident now in going back and having a conversation with my son. And I'm hoping that all of the women and even the men who listen to this, they'll feel confident in having those conversations with their sons as well as understand the hurt and the pain and the fears and the joys that black mothers have of black sons because we are very special special women we have birthed some very amazing creatures into this world having a black son as y'all said mentioned earlier is like having an endangered species and we got to protect our boys and we have to continue having conversations with other women because we need each other. We need the support from one another. I know I have been fed and I didn't even go to church. Y'all, y'all were like my church today. I'm serious. Well, I went to church. She went to church. And she and she sprinkled some of that Holy Spirit onto us here today. Yeah. I'm gonna call her Lady T because I don't want to get her name. Lady stuff. T. But I'm excited to tell you this whole conversation that I'm so in love with your afro. She it's looks beautiful. 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 Because as we wrap up this conversation, I want to make sure that we came full circle. And I think that that statement was literally us coming full circle. And so I have already taken up enough of you ladies' time. So I want to thank you, author Tamara Joy. Can you please tell my listeners how they can get in contact with you, how they can purchase your book? I'm going to let you have that moment real quick. Uh, so I am author Tamara Joy on Instagram. I am the images of you on I love it. And Miss Wanda Mama, how can our listeners um, follow you? Because as you said, you are always sharing new news, new news, and keeping people yeah, current. Okay, you can you can follow me at um, I'm on Facebook at uh, Wanda Greg Alford, um, and I'm also on Instagram as well. I even have a TikTok, but I know Lord, no. <laughs> No. No. She better not. I'm unfollowing you. If you do it, I'm unfollowing you. You are not a savage. No. 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 <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Befriend me. I'm I'm open. I'm open and ready. Lakai, please let us know um how people can get in contact with you because as people are trying to build black business, you represent a company that is helping people start their own black business. So please share how we can get in contact with you. And I was very, very avid in trying to relay and communicate that message at the beginning of the pandemic when they were talking about stimulus. And I'm like, Lord, my people, please. Now, I know we about to get broke off real quick, but please don't take all of that money and blow it on this frivolous and stupid stuff that's really not going to last for you. Invest into yourself. And what we do, um, we provide those training for individuals that either want to open up their own assisted living facilities or manage facilities. But we try to lean more towards open up and own your own, be your own boss, become recession proof because that is mm. a feel that it's essential. You, you have to constantly be working regardless. You still got to get your money from the state. Right. It is recession proof. So you can follow me on Instagram at Couture underscore, which is K-A-I-T-O-U-R-E underscore. Um, you can DM me about your interest in it. And also, um, like she said, currently right now, I am pursuing my master's in psychology because, as you said, Armanda, I felt the same way. And I need to be, that is my charge. I have to be in that field for our people. They need somebody to talk to that looks like them, that can understand. And I decided avidly, like a month ago, that I wanted to deal specifically with children because that's where it starts from. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's where it begins. And because you get these adults and you realize that they're really just children Mm. crying out inside because they're dealing with and holding on and have not had an opportunity to properly and safely unpack all of the things that when they were a child. Then Mm, Lady T thinking about what you said as well and I'm like now in, in my life I am starting to unpack things and it sounds so normal and nonchalant when you say it outside of your mouth because you've been living with it for so long but yes. it's not normal mm. and it's not okay and if All I right. can just these babies while they are still babies we can really have some well-rounded people representing oh, a yeah. really oh, big yeah. change that's what we're trying to and what's your Instagram again? It is Couture, K-A-I-T-O-U-R-E underscore. That was the name of my cosmetic line. Can I just throw it out there that I miss her being a makeup artist because nobody yes. beat my face like her. I'm yes. just throwing it out there. I'll be looking at myself in the mirror during this pandemic like, what's going on? Who are you? Who are you? What is going on? <laughs> Oh, and by the way, uh, for anybody that has um, older adults, 65, or they're getting Medicare Parts A and B, and they need information about different plans or um, coverages to take and what's best for them where it relates to the supplementals, yes, I am a licensed state um, and approved healthcare specialist. Oh, uh, right. So I 
enroll and I answer questions. I don't have to enroll anybody. If you need to know questions, you need to know where to go, who to talk to about Medicare, about your prescriptions, or anything that pertains to not being able to pay for your medications, then please have them reach out to me. I love it. Look at look at y'all being the tribe of all tribes. You ladies, I, I love it. I Thank you guys so much. I will make sure that all of your credentials are, or your um, contact information is made available for all of my amazing listeners because I know that you guys offer so, so much for the community and I will make sure that they are able to get it with you guys because, you know, me saying it is not enough. I love when you guys are able to tell the world who you are and what you do because we need people like you. You guys are amazing and thank you. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. I want to thank my special guests, Iman Heath, Faraji Muhammad, Tamara Joy McKnight, Lakai Sims, and Wanda Alford for their time and insight about this issue. I also invite you to check out my new piece, The Fear of Being a Mother with a Black Son, found on medium.com, as I take a closer look at motherhood and the fear that we have living in America and raising a black son. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at iCarHerQueen underscore Nira. Again, that's iCarHerQueen underscore Nira. I want to thank my producers, Faraji Muhammad and Mieka Downing for their work. And I want to thank you, beautiful people, for tuning in. Have a great, great evening. Peace. Brown girl, black girl, what do you see? I see my sister looking at me. Brown girl, black girl, what can you be? I can be anything, sir.